This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Vote. Vote. That is the nothing personal word of the day. Today is Super Tuesday. If you are listening to me or watching me in Alabama, American Samoa, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, or Virginia, vote. People died, so you have the right to vote. I don't care who you vote for. It doesn't matter. Vote. Apathy is the single thing that will cost this country. People went to war to battle for the right. There is so much going on in this election. We could talk forever, but vote. It's got to be the shoes. I think that's what Jim Dolan said to Spike Lee during halftime. When I can look at the Zabruder film picture of the two of them shaking hands. I think what Dolan said to him was, you can't come through the employee entrance because it's got to be the shoes. What am I talking about, you ask? Well, it's all over the place. Spike Lee in a viral video got in a shouting match. Spike Lee is a big fan of the New York Knicks. Spike Lee all the way back in the late 80s, early 90s. I went to a rodeo with Spike Lee in Houston in 1994. Picture two five foot five guys in Houston at the NBA Finals in 1994 on an off day going to a rodeo, a Nick sponsored rodeo. We were looking at each other like, are you kidding me? We just want to win a game and a ring. So Spike Lee's been a famous Nick fan, sits courtside. Claims to have spent $10 million in season tickets over the years. That's easy math. People here at CBS Sports HQ, if you're listening, I appreciate you downloading and subscribing. YouTube, whatever it is, just know $10 million adds up and it comes quick. His courtside seats, let's say three dollars to $400,000 per year. And this has been going on for decades. Best seats in the house. So what happened that would cause this video? And why again do the Knicks keep doing everything wrong? So someone releases a video of Spike Lee in a shouting match. Now, if you're a public figure, try not to yell in public. Try not to do anything that people are going to video and then release. And then you cause yourself to have to explain. And then everyone misunderstands. The video sounded like he was being kicked out of the garden. So everyone got on the anti-Jim Dolan, who's the owner of the Knicks, 
got on the on his bandwagon of look at him, he's kicking out Jim Dolan. That's not newsworthy. Here's a little nugget for everyone watching the show. As an owner of a team, you can kick out any season ticket holder you want anytime for no reason at all. You don't have to dislike Spike Lee or not appreciate his politics or his movies. You can look at someone and say, you know what? I don't want you to spend money in my arena. I am revoking your season ticket privileges. That's the end of it. There's no judge. There's no jury. There's no appeal. That's the rule. So Jim Dolan, if he wanted to get rid of Spike Lee, would not have done it in such a public mess kind of way. Would he have? I know what you're saying. Everything he does is a misstep. This is Leon Rose's first game as president. We spoke about how terrible his introduction was as president of the team yesterday. And then this video comes out and then the Knicks are scrambling. When an organization has a crisis during a game, and it's happened to me scores of times, what you do is you count on one person, and it was me, to be the leader of the crisis and figure out what you're going to do from a PR standpoint. The first thing I would do is I would get my head of PR, we'd get together, and we would figure out, all right, here's the problem, here's the solution, all right, now go execute. The Knicks have a small problem in that they are unable, unable, they have an inability to execute any sort of plan, assuming they actually have a plan. So the story got totally away. Spike Lee goes on first take and all sorts of other shows. He's talking about it and it's being tweeted about. It's a huge story where he says, no, it's not that I was being kicked out of the arena. It's I believe that there is a problem that Jim Dolan has with me. So the Knicks, instead of coming out with the name Jim Dolan actually commenting or leaking it, sometimes if we didn't want to do a statement, we would actually leak what we wanted to say to a writer who would then tweet it or put it into an article, and that would be our way of getting our side out of a story. What we would never do is what the Knicks did, which is some sort of banal statement, which just says, statement from the New York Knicks. And then they say, this is Spike Lee, one of their most important clients, one of their biggest season ticket holders, and certainly the single most famous Nick fan of all time. It's not even a question. He's the number one Nick fan. The, and he is, by the way, do you know that he has bought courtside seats and been there through thick and thin, except the thickness is about the size in between my two fingers when I'm super nervous, which means you can't even shine a flashlight through it? The thin is about the size of the Grand Canyon. That's how committed Spike Lee's been. The idea, the statement said that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to use our employee entrance instead of a dedicated VIP entrance is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create the false controversy to perpetuate drama. He's welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. And then they posted a picture of Jim Dolan and Spike Lee awkwardly, awkwardly shaking hands like it was Begin and Sadat. Is that a reference that's totally lost on everyone? That's disappointing if it is. 
So it's a very grainy shot taken from a security camera that shows Spike Lee and Jim Dolan shaking hands. What were they discussing? You think that Jim Dolan goes up to Spike Lee, the owner of the team, goes up to Spike Lee to say, listen, I'm sorry about that fight, but you know you shouldn't be using the player entrance. Spike Lee then says, that's where I've been walking in every single day for all of my years. When you run a team, you communicate with your celebrity fans. We did that with our team in baseball. Everybody does that. We all have celebrity fans. You make sure you are communicating with them because they are social media influencers. They can give you a bad name quickly. Just take Marlins, man, with the Marlins. Ever seen the guy in the orange jersey going around with the Marlins, man? He wasn't an employee of the Marlins. His name is Lawrence Levy. He is a huge fan who loves sitting front row wearing a Marlins orange jersey. We always would make sure that we were communicating with him, even when we didn't feel it was necessary to tell him what was going on or to explain to him a certain policy. We would make sure to let him know what was happening because he was a loyal follower of our brand. What the Knicks did in this case is they made a decision to continue to make branding errors, strategic marketing errors, and then PR errors on top of it. They should have been celebrated. Raise your hand on CBS Sports HQ right now. Raise it. Who won the Knicks game last night? Are you aware? Do you know who they were playing? Well, they beat the Rockets, probably their biggest home win of the season. And the big story for the Knicks was Spike Lee, quote unquote, either getting kicked out of the arena or being upset because he had to go through a different entrance. And then on top of it, he announced on national television, he will not be attending any more games this year. Does that hurt the Knicks, by the way? Just so you know, from a money standpoint, they could care less whether he goes to games. He already paid his tickets in full. So if he gives, he'll give his front seat tickets away, his front row tickets. Those seats will not go empty. That's what you care about when you have a uh, arena. Now, shockingly, you're saying to me, Marlins seats were always empty. I get that, but we would try to fill in certain areas so it looked more full than it was. For the Knicks, they don't have that problem. For whatever reason, they're still selling out. So his seats will not go unused. But for him to come out and say, I will not attend any more games, when he doesn't like to miss even one game per year, that should be a big indicator to Mr. Dolan. Wow, we really are screwing this up. What can we do? What can we let the new president or the new branding guy they hired? Remember Steve Stout, this famous marketing branding guy who the Knicks hired to improve Prove their brand. We've covered that on Nothing Personal. He doesn't have much to work with. He has a paper-thin window of opportunity. Not sure it's going to work. Okay. In other news today, Chris Sale is hurt. This is not a repeat show. We do the show every day, Monday to Friday. This is a brand new show. Today is March Third, 2020. In other news today, Chris Sale will miss the beginning of the regular season. I have that right here to talk about. Yes, he had pneumonia. No, that's not why he's missing the start of the season. He's got elbow soreness again. Chris Sale is going to get an MRI. Chris Sale has had elbow problems for now going on more than a year. And you know what the Red Sox did because of you, the Red Sox fans? 
They signed him to a five-year, $145 million contract that starts this year. Remember last year at this time when you were watching CBS Sports HQ? You were listening and reading the papers and you were saying, how dare the Red Sox not sign Chris Sale? They can't let him go. You're the same people that complained when they had to let Mookie Betts go. When there's a free agent coming, you have a decision to make. Do you sign him with a year to go before he's going to be a free agent? Do you wait for him to become a free agent and then try to sign him? What is the best way to run your team? When it comes to pitching, in my opinion, the best way to run your team is to let the free agents go. Try to get magic in a bottle with pitchers who are between zero and six years so they're in your control. Or try to sign mid-level free agents and hope you hit it big. The odds of a pitcher like Garrett Cole being worth 324 $324 million, very slim. It's, as you know, Max Scherzer, about the only long-term deal that's worked. So Chris Sale signs this deal because you all pressured the Red Sox owners, and they felt this was important to do to our fan base. Coming off a World Series, we're going to keep our ace. Now they're despondent because the likelihood of Chris Sale being an impactful pitcher for the next five years, it's back to the space between my two fingers when they're super nervous. It's infinitesimal. And now they've got to start the season with question mark after question mark in their rotation. So why is it that they announced that all he had was pneumonia? No problem. He's going to be one or two weeks behind. We spoke to him. Everything is exactly on schedule. We're doing everything the exact right way. That was totally misleading and typical of the Boston Red Sox. Every time they tell you anything, you take it with a grain of salt because they're spinning it. They're controlling the narrative. They don't want anyone to know about an elbow injury or any sort of problem they're having. That's why they do the press conferences they do when they talk about Joey Cora and they talk about how they have a system and a team of honesty and a team of great integrity. We had no idea that anything was going on. We thought Chris Sale just, Chris Sale just had the sniffles, a little bit of pneumonia. Not the coronavirus. I'm talking about the other type, the influenza. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it for a minute. Here's what's going to happen to Chris Sale, just so you're aware of it. He's going to get the MRI. He then will be shut down for a period of weeks, no matter what the MRI says. Then he's got to get rebuilt up because in spring training, that is the entire purpose for a pitcher. So Basically, you've got to get to 100 pitches. So you start at, let's say, 70 pitches, five days later, 80, five days later, 90, five days later, 100, five days later, you can start in a game. So we're talking at least 20 to 25 days once he's allowed to get into a game to throw 70 pitches. You're talking rehab starts. Before you know it, there's going to be an M on your calendar in Boston. An M, not an A, an M. And I don't mean March. Okay, for those of you watching this show, what I'm doing now, actually, if you're watching, I don't have to describe what I'm doing. If you're listening, I am putting my hand in a downward four fingers toward the ground, and I'm sort of swiping dust off the top of my desk. That's that's what I'm doing. Then I'm going the other way. I'm going backwards and then forwards, and sometimes with my hand, I'm moving it upside down from back to front. 
Now, that may sound crazy if you're listening. What's he doing? What I'm doing is I'm giving you the signs that pitchers use when they are throwing pitches either in a bullpen or before an inning starts. Next time you're watching a baseball game, make sure that you look at the pitcher and watch what he's doing with his glove or sometimes with the ball. The first thing he's doing is with the glove, if you put your glove and face it toward the catcher, you're throwing a fastball. If you show the ball in your naked hand and you pull it back toward you, it's going to be a changeup or a breaking ball. So I am giving the catcher during warm-ups the exact pitch that I want to throw while I'm warming up. Well, wouldn't you know it, we're bringing Trevor Bauer back on the show. Hello, Trevor. Nothing personal thanks you, by the way, because every day you do something that makes me smile. And every day you do something that makes me want to share with our audience what you did. Trevor Bauer, in yesterday's appearance for the Cincinnati Reds, was pitching to a player and told the player exactly what he was going to pitch. He gave the signs. His thought process was, according to Derek Dietrich, former player of mine who's a funny guy, former player of ours, the reason was he's very upset about sign stealing and he wanted to not get his sign stolen. Therefore, he was just going to give the signs to the player. So here I am, the Cincinnati Reds. I spent $64 million on Mike Moustakis. I spent $64 million on Nick Castellanos. I traded for Trevor Bauer. I feel like I am all in with an opportunity to overtake the Cubs who had a bad offseason. The Brewers lost a bunch of players. The Cardinals lost Ozuna. This is my moment. If I'm Bob Castellini, the owner, I think that I can win this division, even though they have no chance to make the playoffs or win the division. But they're watching this in the front office because Trevor Bauer did not communicate this in advance. He didn't tell his manager. He, David Bell, he didn't tell anyone what he, he didn't tell anyone what he was doing. That's the first time I've actually gesticulated on the set and knocked over something. I apologize if you heard that noise. It's not the coronavirus. It was simply my water getting tossed aside. So they had no idea that Trevor Bauer was going to be this outspoken. They knew he was completely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when they traded for him. But they did not know that this whole sign-stealing thing would become his cause celeb, his raison d'etre. So by giving away signs, what you're really doing is you're giving the middle finger to baseball for not punishing the Astros. But worse than that, you're giving it to your own organization. For the Reds to even have a small chance, they need Trevor Bauer to focus on pitching. Stop worrying about all that he needs to do with the collective bargaining, all that he talks about with sign stealing, all of the problems that he talks about in baseball, and focus on pitching. That's his best chance. Why don't you take a look at Anthony Rizzo, Trevor? Anthony Rizzo wanted to get back at the Astros, so he did something during yesterday's game that was perfect. He was at bat. He was mic'd up so we could hear what the players were saying. And I certainly wish that we did that all the time. Players should be mic'd all the time. As long as you get edit rights, they should be mic'd all the time. As a team, I'm saying I would demand edit rights. Anthony Rizzo's at the plate. He's trying to guess what hitters do in Major League Baseball when they're at the plate, no matter what they tell you, no matter what the analytics and studying the video and charting every pitch, every Major League hitter will tell you that every single pitch is a guess. 
The expression is, I'm sitting fastball. That means you're guessing it's going to be a fastball. And you swing, assuming it's going to be a fastball, which means you start to load sooner and get your swing done sooner. Anthony Rizzo said, I'm guessing. I'm thinking it's going to be a heater because he hasn't thrown one in a while. But by the way, if somebody could maybe bang for me, that would be nice. Perfect, Anthony. That's a perfect way to deal with it. Ask for a bang. Know you're not going to get banged. Know the fact that you're going to have to keep guessing. Know the fact that the Astros are going to have to guess for the most part this year, and that's going to be your ultimate revenge. Try to get people in the audience, the people who love baseball, the people watching HQ, the people listening to this show. Try to get you focused on the field, thinking about things that could happen with your team, the excitement of spring training. Anthony Rizzo did it right. Anthony Rizzo is a first-class guy, charitable, a local South Floridian, got very involved in Parkland after that mass shooting tragedy of over a year ago. Just a really good guy. And he found a way to get attention to what he was passionate about without being Trevor Bauer. All you got to do is pay attention to Anthony Trevor, and then there's a chance that the Reds could actually go somewhere. Of course, they're going to have to trade you first if that's going to be the case. Cody Bellinger went golfing the other day. Anyone see the video of uh, Mike Trout golfing at Top Golf? Sorry, I keep mentioning brands who don't sponsor us. Mike Trout went on an outing, went to a place where you can go golfing even though you're not on a course, went to a place where they serve alcohol and there are lots of attractive people serving that alcohol and hit a ball ostensibly over a net that was hundreds of yards away. Crushed it. It's called a drive. <laughs> All right, folks, I got to tell you, um, what I just did there is in the business. Uh, I'm delaying as I'm talking about something and because I cannot think of a word. One of the problems that I'm having right now as I get older, my word recall is suffering just a little bit. And I don't have a prompter. I don't have anything written other than topics, which I've showed you all on the show. I keep my iPad here that just has the general outline of what I'm going to say with minutes. And every once in a while, I lose a word. And I keep talking because I think it's going to come to me. So when I was talking about this place where Mike Trout was, and I was describing what it was, I couldn't think of the word driving range. And finally, Coco was inside me for the right reason in a totally fine way that didn't hurt. He said, driving range. Driving range. Yes. Mike Trout was at a driving range and hit the ball over the netting. It was epic. Up comes Cody, up comes Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger swings out of his tuchus. He swings so hard that if you ever played golf, the torque you get from swinging, what are you going to hurt if you swing too hard? What part of your body would you say? Practice right now while you're listening. If you're driving, please don't. If you're watching, just hit pause for a second. Take a pretend air golf swing, right? And what gets hurt? Your side. Then the next day, Cody Bellinger goes into the team, Dodgers training room, and says, you know what? My side hurts. Cody Bellinger, therefore, is scratched from his next game. Cody Bellinger, everyone's fine. It had nothing to do with golf. It's announced this had nothing to do with playing golf. This had nothing to do with anything. Really? 
Golf is the bane of my existence as a baseball executive. Golf is the single biggest problem I have. Now, you've got the John Smoltzes of the world, scratch golfers, the Tony Romos of the world who are pros, who have a chance to actually win on the senior tour. The majority of baseball players are hackers. The majority of baseball players play golf the way they play every sport. They go all in, balls to the wall. They get on the course. They grab hold of their club, and they swing as hard as they can. They're not aware that there are people who are 5'5", a buck 30, who can hit the ball 270 yards. They assume you've got to be 6'4", 220, swing as hard as you can, and then it'll go 350 yards. The problem is these are baseball players. Baseball and golf, you may think, match because they're swings. They don't match. The injuries that are caused from golf are definite, severe, and long-lasting. We did not want our players playing golf ever, not one time during the season, except players love to golf. It's all they do. They don't go to driving ranges. They wake up. Can you imagine if we had a team meeting at 8 a.m. on a game day? Game day. We're calling you in for an 8 a.m. meeting. We would get laughed, literally laughed out of the front office. We would be told it is unconscionable. We will not permit you to have an 8 a.m. meeting. Guess what players do after partying all night? Yeah, they go play golf at 8 a.m. on a game day. Explain that to me. They're able to wake up and play golf, but they can't wake up and come to a team meeting or they can't sleep in to rest and get ready for the next day's game. I told you the story before. I'll tell you again, because if you're new to nothing personal, then it's new to you unless you went back to the archives, which you could. We stopped allowing golf clubs on the team plane. Just stopped. We made them FedEx them. They FedEx their clubs to the next city on the road. How great is that? I enjoy that, actually. Cody Bellinger. That'll just about do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Coca, this is it. Oh, so you want to talk to Samson? I thought we were doing a review right now. Okay, so you want to talk to Samson. This was a uh, a question that just came in a couple days ago. This is when people, go ahead and switch it on there, please. Coca's doing that, thank you. He's switching on my rundown because he just went out of order because he's so distracted by whatever's going on in the producer's room right now. So we basically do something called So You Want to Talk to Samson. It's from the movie Half-Baked. At me, at David P. Sampson. Follow me on Twitter. DM me. Here's the question. Do scouts get a bonus for finding a gem in the rough? The reason I'm taking this question, actually, is that this goes for all of America and for everyone listening across the world. Do scouts get a bonus for finding a gem in the rough? No. That's their job. Do you get a bonus for showing up to work and doing your job? 
if it's not part of your contract where you have a contractually obligated bonus, that bonus, which then becomes part of your salary, really, but it's counted something different. Do you know why employers give you a bonus instead of all of the money in salary? Because bonuses are discretionary. And if your salary were equal to your salary plus bonus, and then you had to get a 3% raise, your salary would go up more than it would normally because you're getting a 3% raise off a larger amount because it's including your bonus. But if you're getting a big bonus and a little salary, which has always been my preference, then your salary only has to go up by a smaller amount because the normal one and a half to 3% raise that you get as a matter of course is off a smaller number. So you're wondering whether we would just willy-nilly give a scout a bonus for simply finding a player in the rough, a gem. No, and I'm going to explain why. In the old days, it was more difficult for scouts to find players and therefore easier for scouts to find players that no one's ever heard of. A gem in the rough is a player who you did not expect to be great, but ends up being great. A gem in the rough is a player who you draft in the eighth round or 12th round or 15th round as a favor to the scout who saw him. And that player ends up being a major leaguer or ends up being a top player. What the scout gets for finding that type of player is he gets to keep his job. The reason why scouts lose jobs is when they see players who everyone else thinks will be good, they rate them as bad, and they turn out to be good. Or they see players who everyone thinks will be bad, they turn out to be bad, but the scout says they're going to be good. By getting it wrong is how you lose your job. By getting it right, you get to keep your job. So what is it about scouting that we do reward? What we reward are people at the major league and minor league level who go through the organizations and they look at players and say, this is an underperformer. This is someone who we can bring in. If we make the following three mechanical changes, this is someone who will outperform his contract. That's the type of value added that we will reward, sometimes with a larger bonus. We ranked, we used to rank scouts with bonuses. The top ranked scout would get the highest bonus. The lowest ranked scout would get fired. And we would go through and they'd all get ranked. It's sort of like the movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross. First place, you get steak knives. Second place, you get fired. That's exactly what it is with scouts. So we go through and we're trying to explain to scouts that you coming to tell me if I'm in the Yankees, let's say, that Garrett Cole is someone we should sign as a free agent, I could get my nephew to tell me that. I could get anyone who doesn't know anything about the business of baseball or about the game of baseball. I could get anybody to walk in and say, hey, Garrett Cole would be a nice addition to the team. Brian Cashman was asked a question live today on TV. Live. Hey, what do you think was your biggest need, and do you think that Garrett Cole can possibly fill that need? Duh. Obviously, a top-of-the-rotation guy. That is not helpful. Now, find me someone who's going to come in. Let's take a look at the team that's right here close to home, the Marlins. They signed a bunch of million-dollar guys. 
They gave one guy in a trade, Villar, $8 million. Aguiar was a non-tender, gave him a couple million dollars. They signed Corey Dickerson, two years, $8 million a year. Those are middle-of-the-range signings meant as veterans to help a team that is youngish and supposed to improve to help them win more at the major league level. If they don't win more at the major league level this year, the people who suggested those players are going to get fired. Unless, of course, the people who suggested those players are named the owner or the head of player development, in which case they're going to have to find other people to fire because those two people are untouchable. But the point, as always, will remain the same, which is for a scout to maximize his earnings, give me something that no one else is giving me and get it right. Thanks for the question. I appreciate it. No bonus for scouts for finding a gem in the rough. Speaking of gems, is that why you switched it around, Coca? Because gem and gem, that's really brilliant. That's just value added. You deserve a bonus. Do you need a bonus, Coca? Are you satisfied with your daily rate? <laughs> he just said, ha. Ah. Okay, movie of the day. I watched it last night, two nights ago. I can't remember when. Uncut Gems. I didn't watch it during the Oscar race because he was not nominated. There was a rumor Adam Sandler was going to be nominated, but he wasn't. I wanted to see Kevin Garnett in an acting role. He was playing Kevin Garnett. It was sort of like acting. I'm not sure that he was actually acting. I sort of pictured Kevin Garnett as actually that kind of character. This is a movie about Adam Sandler as a gambling addict, as a jeweler on 47th Street. As many of you know, the jewelers on 47th Street, the majority of them are ortho, are, I was about to say an orthopedic Jew. This is what I meant by word recall and sort of things at the tip of my tongue that I get wrong. An Orthodox Jew, the majority of jewelers on 47th Street in New York City are Orthodox. So we don't know whether or not Adam Sandler's Orthodox, but a big part of this movie is that he is a Jewish jeweler. And he is in trouble at all times. He has a terrible addiction to gambling. He has – basically the movie is Adam Sandler, the opposite, right, of some of his characters. This is not – I picture – Adam Sandler coming in and giving a performance <clears throat> that had great depth. That was a great change from the characters that we are normally used to seeing him in, whether it's Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, some of those sort of less serious movies. Uncut Gems is probably the most serious role he's had, and he tackled it with great aplomb. He was outstanding. It was not a top five performance of last year, but it is definitely a top five performance of his career. This is sort of going back. It's not like Funny People. It's not like uh, Spanglish. What's the movie also where he was um, uh, the stand-up? Uh, no, not Click, not The Waterboy. He was the stand-up comedian, not Funny People. Oh, my God. Punch Drunk Love. Is it Punch, um, Punch Drunk Love? Is that Was that a Sandler movie? Not stupid, crazy love. Can you imagine what I'm dealing with? It's all a bunch of 80s kids. Anyway, Adam Sandler gives a very serious performance. What makes this movie, though, is the nervous energy that he portrays on the screen throughout the course of this movie, where you know for sure that the end of this movie will be some sort of finality of his story. This is not where you can end a movie and you just say the end, or a movie where it's him walking into the horizon where you just imagine what life will be like. There has to be a finality to the trouble he is in, 
to the story that he is trying to tell that is being told about him. The acting performance is amazing. People told me they didn't like the script. They didn't like the movie. The script is tight. The script is smart. I found it to be incredibly, incredibly jaw-dropping to watch. Do you know who else makes a small appearance? That guy who I had not heard of before but have heard of now. It's called um, the, the, sat, the, uh, the Weekday. A guy named The Weekday. The Weekend, not The Weekday. It's The Weekend. He makes an acting appearance, sort of, and it's not terrible. And it shows what is going on in this underworld of gambling and jewels. Uncut Gem is literally about an uncut gem. One spoiler alert, if you're going to get popcorn and you're going to eat any sort of candy during the movie, don't open it till after the first three minutes of the movie. Trust me on this. After three minutes, open it, eat it. First three minutes, put it down. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, we're talking about coronavirus now. I've been trying to get Coca to talk about coronavirus, but he won't be in the same room as me because I have a small cough and he thinks I have it, which I don't. I'm fine. This is a big deal, and I want to explain why. It's a big deal because we're losing control of the coronavirus, and I don't mean the actual virus. We're actually losing control of what is going to be the result, and let's just talk sports for a minute. Let's not talk business. Let's not talk the airline stocks. Let's not talk the hotel stocks. Let's not talk the fact that people are unwilling to go on cruises. Let's not talk about shore excursion companies. Let's not talk about any of ancillary business that involves anything travel-related that's going right in the crapper. Let's not talk about the fact that people are wearing masks everywhere and they don't get it. The masks don't help. The masks are needed for doctors and people who don't want to get you sick when they are doing medical procedures. The masks that you are buying do not help. And by the way, wash your hands. You actually need to be reminded today. <clears throat> it makes me crazy. It's like me telling you to vote today if you're eligible. You should just vote. You need coronavirus to tell you to wash your hands? I have done for the last 52 years, obsessively, compulsively, disorderly, wash my hands to the point of crackling blood. I'm not saying that's the way to go. But once in a while, work in a sanitizer. One time. One time, give people a fist bump. One time, use your elbow to open a door. Do you know at Marlins Park, I made sure there were garbage cans and paper towel dispensers at the door of every restroom? The first stadium to do it. Because I wanted people to take a paper towel, open the door, and then have a place to throw the paper towel right there. Because if you don't put a garbage can right at the exit, then people just throw it on the floor. If you don't empty the garbage every couple hours and it gets full, people just throw it on the floor. Just on a quick side note, have you ever been into a really clean bathroom and by accident you try to throw a basket, make a basket with your paper towel that you used to dry your hands and you miss, but the bathroom's totally clean? What do you do? You bend over, you pick it up, and you throw it in the garbage. Next scenario, 
You're in a bathroom. The garbage can is overflowed. There's paper all over the floor. It's a pigsty. You shoot a basket with your used paper towel and you miss it. What do you do? You walk out the door. Yes, you do. You admit that. Keep it clean. That's all you have to do for the coronavirus. But there is panic, widespread panic. So now leagues have to deal with it, and they are. The NBA started with a memo to all 32 teams. It was outstanding. Be cautious as it relates to autographs. Try to have minimal contact in large groups. Make sure that you are following all protocols of washing your hands. And by the way, don't you worry. We're in touch with the CDC and the WHO. MLB had a follow suit today. They sent a momo, a, a momo. They sent a memo as well. And the memo that they sent is that it had to do with autographs. Do you remember yesterday I talked about um, CJ, CJ McCollum? CJ McCollum and the fact that he was putting a moratorium on all autographs. MLB just sent a memo that said, you should avoid taking balls and pens directly from fans to sign autographs. This is a suggestion that will now be fleshed out in training materials that the league will send to teams. And by the way, don't do handshakes. I never do handshakes. I love the fist bumping. I was Howie Mandel before it was cool to be bald and say, let's open briefcase number 68. Teams are going to open lines of communication with local public health authorities. Of course they are. Front offices are consulting local infectious disease specialists. Of course we are. As running a team, you are right now getting prepared for the possibility of a major pandemic affecting your games. Do you know that in Florida with Marlins Park, our hurricane preparedness manual is about the size of Joe Burrow's hand with a step-by-step preparation of what we have to do when we have to do it. It's the same thing. We have that from a medical standpoint also. We have in our human resources department, at least we did, maybe it got fired along with me, but we had a manual where we would understand and know how to deal with any sort of disaster, natural, artificial, otherwise. What do you do? With coronavirus, I would have had my VPs in a room, not last week, not because of a memo from the NBA, not because Japan has stopped all fans from attending all spring training games and may delay the start of the regular season, not because the NCAA is thinking of the entire March Madness tournament being played in front of no fans, not because there are auto shows and art fairs being canceled around the world. Not because France has said there will not be 5,000 people ever congregated at an event until further notice. All such events are ennui. That's French. Check it. Canceled. Not because Switzerland said anything over 1,000 people. (laughs) Done. I'm convening my people because I'm ahead of every one of these stories. The minute one person had the first thought that there was something going on in Wuhan, China, We are having a meeting and getting ready. We're not waiting for this memo from MLB. And MLB is counting on the fact that there are teams not waiting for MLB to take the lead. We would be in touch with the local health authorities. What are we doing in the county of Miami-Dade? What are you doing in terms of schools, in terms of public transportation? What are you doing in terms of security, in terms of police? 
What are you doing in terms of crowds of people? The mayor of Miami came out just today. This was a beautiful statement. By the way, the mayor of Miami and myself, his name is Carlos Jimenez. There is no love lost, none at all. That said, the mayor of Miami came out and said, we will go on with Ultra. Ultra is a major movie money maker for Miami. It's an EDM party where basically kids who are supposed to be over 21 and aren't, adults who are over 21, you go down, you do a ton of drugs, mostly mollies, you get hammered, you get stoned, you listen to music, and you make a lot of noise. But the show will go on because the mayor said, guess what? It's young people. It's the old people who have to worry about coronavirus. It sounds callous and wrong, but for the moment, he's not wrong. There will be much more on coronavirus every day. I will give a small update when warranted. Don't go buy masks and use the damn sanitizer. Okay, pick of the day. I predicted 103.89 last night between the Bucks and the Heat, and I was wrong by two points. It was 105 to 89. So I really had that game nailed. That was tough, folks. When you really can choose the final score of an NBA game, you know that you're about to win some money. So I want to give you a chance to win again. I'm going to tell you to take the Suns plus five over the Raptors. The reason why I believe that the Suns are a good bet right now is that for the life of me, I cannot choose a winner. You didn't believe me, did you? You know better. You're a loyal listener to nothing personal. I had 103.89 bucks last night. I had the bucks minus four. I had the bucks minus eight. I had the bucks minus 12 winning by 103.89. I got it so wrong. It was a joke. I couldn't believe it. I watched the game. I watched the game again on repeat thinking that what is possibly wrong with me? Well, we're going to try again. Suns plus five over Raptors. Take the Raptors. Wait to see. Wait to see. Dustin Johnson, do you know who that is? That is Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law. Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law has decided that he is going to skip the Olympics. And the reason that he is skipping the Olympics is not the coronavirus. The reason he is skipping the Olympics is not because he couldn't find a first-class seat to Tokyo. The reason he is skipping the Olympics is not because he does not want to win a gold, silver, or bronze medal. The reason is that he will not be well-rested enough to try to win the multi, multi-million dollar FedEx Cup playoff. He does not want to be tired. Good for you, Dustin, for admitting that. You want the money. Wait to see. Tiger Woods, even though he says he's from a military family, he wants it so badly. Guess what? Given his back, given his knee, given all of it, Tiger will not be going to the Olympics. Wait to see, even if he qualifies, he'll look right in the face of the USA IOC and he'll say, guess what? This was business. It's nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.